0: Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Oh, We're continuing our series called God God Privilege, and I'm so glad that you're here. In case you don't know me, my name's Kate. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. Thanks, babe. Whistling at me up here. At no limits, we're here to help you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. So this is week eight in a series where we're learning how to live in God's promise of wealth. Bottom line is God wants you to prosper. And I'm going to give you my definition of prosperity, and that is more than enough for my family, plus an overflow to accomplish everything God asks me to do. And I'll show that to you in scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians 9:8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Who? all of you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. In other words, God wants you to have everything you need to care for your family, plus an overflow for every good thing that comes your way. He wants you to always be resourced for all those things that you have an opportunity to do. And Tim Bell brought us a powerful message last week. Man, it was so good. I don't know about you, but he was telling my story. He was. He was. I mean, he took us through the progression of learning how to live in prosperity, and man, I've hit every one of those steps that you talked about, Tim. I've been so poor, nobody wanted to loan me money. I've had so much debt, I didn't think I'd get out of it. Anybody been there before? I've been generous, out of you know obligation, and then later regretted my generosity. Seriously, I'm pretty sure Tim was just telling on me last week, so thanks, Tim, for revealing all my secrets. But the most powerful thing happened at the end of service, an anointing was released for those who were stuck. And wherever they were in that process to get them on to the next thing so if you came up and you received that anointing last week continue to walk it out because that anointing made a difference and you're going to see yourself getting to that next step getting to that next level so you can get where God wants you to go but can you believe we've made it eight weeks into a series about money at church and I've yet to talk about tithing or generosity I mean seriously y'all what kind of pastor am I Man, so far I've been working to establish the fact that God wants you to prosper. He wants you to give him the responsibility of taking care of your needs so that you can focus on multiplying what he gives you. You see, your identity is royalty. You're a son. You're a daughter of God, the creator of the universe, the one who owns all things. That's your dad, right? And, he, and everything he has in yours, and he, everything he has is yours. He wants you to have it. He wants you to enjoy it. And he wants you to multiply it, all of it. God wants you to prosper. Actually, he needs you to prosper. Can I put it to you that way? He needs you to prosper. It's going to take resources to accomplish God's will on the earth. And if we don't have those resources, who has them? The enemy has the resources. I mean, it's time for the wealth of the wicked to transfer to the righteous. Amen. But get this, it's never going to happen until the body of Christ understands that God wants us to prosper. You know why? Because if you don't get that, we're going to be so tied up into thinking that money is bad that when God tries to resource you for a good work, you're going to reject it. I'm sure we've all done that at some point in our lives. But it's time to stop that nonsense. I expect every one of you to prosper. I expect every one of you to get out of debt. Every one of you. Why? So we can do what it takes to disciple nations and get the gospel to the entire world. Y'all, I'm so ready for Jesus to come back. I'm so ready for him to come back. So we've got to get this done. And it takes all of us walking in God's promise of wealth to get there. We can't just hide out until the rapture. Some people want to do that. I get it. But we can't do that. Jesus can't come until the gospel is preached to the entire world, y'all. He's waiting on us. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. So we better get after it. Every one of you has a responsibility to prosper and to resource God's work in this earth. Every one of you. So the days come. You ready to talk about tithing and generosity? The day is today. So now that you identify as wealthy, because your father's wealthy, right? And you have everything he has. We identify as wealthy. So now you can hear this message without screwing it up. All right? Because before you were likely to hear a message on tithing and generosity and then try to use that to get something from God. And it doesn't work that way. Now you already know that you have everything that he has. So generosity is just a response to what God has already provided to you. It's simply cooperating with his financial system, because God set this thing up. God set it all up. In order to prosper, you have to participate in the act of sowing and reaping. That's God's financial system. You sow a financial seed, you reap a harvest, then you have more seed, and you sow more seed. So let's talk about tithing and generosity. I'm going to start with a statement you've probably never heard at church before. Are you ready? You are not obligated to tithe. Hmm. Y'all didn't even rejoice on that one. <laughs> but isn't that strange for a pastor to say? I mean, what kind of pastor am I? First of all, I spend eight weeks talking about money. Don't even mention generosity. Now I'm telling you, you're not obligated to tithe. What's going on here? Well, I don't want to disappoint you. So let's just go ahead and head to Malachi. Okay. The scripture that's been used for centuries to guilt you into tithing. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That's why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. <laughs> y'all, did y'all know it started that way? <laughs> Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return to you when we have never gone away? Man, that reveals a lot about human nature, right? We never think we're in the wrong <laughs> And he says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? How did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Is it starting to sound familiar now? It's starting to feel like you're at church now. It's starting to feel better. I mean, a lot of pastors like to use this scripture to guilt you into tithing. After all, if you don't, you're going to be cursed. Have you ever heard a message like that? This causes us to believe that tithing is kind of like paying protection money to the mafia, right? It's the only way to stay out of trouble with the big man. If we don't tithe, God's going to break our fridge or our washer, or even worse, he's going to make us sick. So that we have to go to the hospital and spend all our money. For clarity, I'm kidding. Okay. God does not do these things, and I'll get to that here in a bit, but I'm helping us revisit some of these old teachings so that we can just get them out of the way. All right. I've even heard of a large church where if somebody came to them in need, the first question they asked is, well, are you a tither? Because if you're not a tither, you're cursed, and we're not going to bless something that God has cursed. Well, I know that's extreme, but I mean, if you're going to have this viewpoint, you might as well go all in, right? (laughs) And since we're going all in, let's revisit Malachi where God replied, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Why are we only picking on the tithe? The verse says tithes and offerings. Some of y'all have been taking the shortcut. Oh, and did you notice that tithes is plural? You mean there's more than one tithe? Oh, yeah, baby. There's three tithes mentioned in the law. The first tithe supported the spiritual leaders. The second tithe was called the festival tithe. And the third tithe was taken every three years for the poor. So 10% plus 10% Plus three point three three percent since that third tie is divided over three years, right? Equals what twenty three point three three percent? How many of you all? How many of you guys have only been given ten percent all this time? I'll help you. For, I'll help you figure your back pay after service today. <laughs> Special class for that. <laughs> no charge for that. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the offerings yet, so let's talk about that. There was the first fruits offerings, the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, which depending on your lifestyle could get quite expensive, right? The trespass offering, the drink offering, the food offering, the new moon offering, and the every time you had a child offering. So Beth and I are in trouble. <laughs> add all the mandatory offerings up and it would be about 33% of your income. You add the voluntary offerings on top of that and it'd be about 50% of your income. So let's see, 50% offering plus our 33% tithe equals 83%. It's starting to get a little uncomfortable now. But on the bright side, the back pay around here is going to be legit. (laughs) Think of all that we're going to be able to get done. This is awesome. So if you're going to hold on to this idea that God's going to curse you if you don't tithe, then you better be accurate and give all the tithes and the offerings, all right? And you're going to have to bring back the Jewish sacrificial system while you're at it. But we don't have to do that. Why? Because Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Woo! Come on. That's good. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. The curse has no effect on us who believe in Jesus Christ. None. I hope you heard that. Let us settle in. The curse has no effect. And it's not because we follow the law perfectly. It's because Jesus paid the price for our wrongdoing. He paid the price that we didn't fulfill our 83% tithes and offerings. And it gets even better in the next verse. Through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. Jesus didn't just redeem you from the curse. He gave you the blessing. Man, that's awesome. And it's not because we followed the law perfectly. It's because Jesus paid the price for our wrongdoing. You know, I've heard people say, I'm a tither, so God owes me the blessing. No, you're a, a beloved child of God he's already given you the blessing. He's already given it to you. Am I shattering anybody's religion today? I'm not sorry. Because it has to be done. You need to be free from that attitude because that's what keeps you from God's promise of wealth. Take a look. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You can do all the right things. But if it's with the wrong motive, you would have gained nothing. You see, before Jesus, you had to follow the law perfectly in order to walk in the promises of God. But after Jesus, it's simply a matter of the heart. What's your motivation? Is it love? Or is it something else? So I want to press pause for a moment. We're going to let the Holy Spirit work in here this morning. So why do you just close your eyes. Just real quick, ask the Holy Spirit, what's the lie I've been believing about generosity? And you need to remember what he told you. But let's recap. In Malachi 3, we learn about the curse on all those who don't follow the old covenant laws of tithes and offerings. But we've been rescued from that curse through Jesus Christ. So now we're left with a question. If I have no law telling me to give, why should I give? Let me tell you a story to illustrate. There is a woman who was married to the most demanding husband. Maybe you can relate Don't raise your hand. Nothing she ever did was good enough. He would leave her a list of things to do each day, and she would do all of them, but there was always something that she didn't do right. And as you can imagine, this was very exhausting for her. But one day, her husband died. Let's not rejoice about that. And later, she married a man who showed her unconditional love. It wasn't about what she could do for him. He just wanted her heart. And, you know, she ended up doing more for him out of love than she ever did for her first husband out of fear. Yeah. This is the story of us with the law. We used to be married to a demanding taskmaster. And if we didn't do it just right, we were punished for it. But we died to the law and married Jesus Christ, who just wants our hearts. There's no more demands. But the reality is we will do more out of love than we ever did out of obligation And now that we no longer have the law to tell us how much to give, what does the New Testament tell us about how much to give? I hate to break it to you, but there is no prescribed amount on how much to give in the New Testament for all of us who just want a straight rule, right? Give me a percentage, please. Just tell me what to do. You're not going to find it. You see, you'll find a wide range of generosity in the New Testament. The widow gave a penny, but it was everything she had. Remember that story? The woman who washed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume gave a year's wages. The early church sold all of their possessions and brought it all together. And look at what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church. He said, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. This is the guideline of new covenant giving, this is our guideline. How many of you have ever given reluctantly, like you just didn't want to do it? Yeah. How many of you have ever given because your pastor pressured you to give? If you're reluctant or if you feel pressured, you have the Apostle Paul's permission to refrain from giving. Isn't that good news? Why? Because God's not trying to get something from you. He wants you to give, but only because you want to give. The ball's in your court. We decide in our heart how much to give. And there's two things to keep in mind when you're making this decision. Two questions to ask yourself. The first one is, does this amount bring me joy? The second one is, does this amount require faith? Because those two questions will get you to the right amount. If you only paid attention to the joy factor, you'd probably never stretch yourself, if we're honest. But you add the joy factor to faith, and there you have it. You'll get there. Let me show you what I mean in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. It says, Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. So our giving is not to remain stagnant. It's expected to grow as we grow. So if you've been given the same amount for the last 20 years, it's time to mix in some faith and excel in your giving. So this message is not to discourage you from tithing, it's meant to set you free from the obligation of tithing. And now that you're no longer stuck at 10%, you can examine your heart and step into faith. Step out in faith and excel in your giving. And for those of you just getting started, you may be at a loss now that I, I took the whole 10% thing away. Like, what am I going to do now? How do I know how much to give? Well, like we read earlier, you decide in your heart how much to give. But I do recommend that you set a percentage And not an amount. Why? Because that way your giving will grow as your income grows. I've heard a statistic that on average, American Christians give less than 2% of their income. So now you know it doesn't take much to be more than average here in America, right? (laughs) When it comes to the tithe, (laughs) when it comes to the tithe or 10%, I do believe that there's something special about that number though, because if you read about Abraham, he gave a tithe before the law even existed. So in Genesis 14, you'll read about Abraham defeating four trained armies with 318 of his servants. Like Abraham took the guys who were taking care of his sheep, who were cooking the food, gathered them up and said, Hey, let's go defeat these four trained armies. That sounds like a good idea, right? So, how do you pull this off? Well, there's only one explanation, and we learned about it in scripture. In Genesis fourteen seventeen, it says after Abram returned from his victory, Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of the most high God brought Abram some bread and wine and Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God, most high creator of heaven and earth and blessed be God, most high who has defeated your enemies for you. It wasn't Abram's crew that defeated the enemies. It was God who defeated them with the cooperation of Abraham's crew. So we should be encouraged by this with everything that we face in America right now, right? It doesn't matter how big or how fierce our army is, this evil will be defeated by the power of God. Now let's look at how Abraham responded to this news. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. You know, Melchizedek was an example of Christ to Abraham. God used Melchizedek to give Abraham an understanding of what's to come in the new covenant through Jesus Christ. And all this went down before the law. There was no law at this point. Like the Ten Commandments didn't even come for 400 years after this. Yet Abraham gave a tenth from his own heart. He decided how much to give and he gave a tenth. No one told him, no one told him to do it. He just wanted to do it because it was God who defeated his enemies and blessed him with this victory. And when he saw Melchizedek, he saw Christ and his response was giving a tenth. So when studying the history of the tithe, we found out that the tithe is truly the way of God, not just the way of the law. The law really took something that already existed and made it a bunch of rules out of it. But don't forget, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Some use that as an excuse not to give, which really doesn't make sense. But for Beth and I, it actually freed us to tithe from the right motivation. Before we were tithing out of obligation, we learned this, and we still wanted to continue to tithe just because we wanted to at that point. Just the motivation changed. I know I freak some of you out whenever I open this message telling you you're not obligated to tithe. Ah, How could he say that? But it's the truth. You're not obligated. You're not. You should only tithe when your heart is in it. Did I help anyone today? Be free. Be free. But yes, give. Decide in your own heart how much to give. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your truth this morning. We thank you that you set us free to give out of our own heart, and that's what you want. We thank you for your great love towards us and that we get to respond to that through our generosity. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said it, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us and a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.